You're listening to She Well Read. Get ready to be part of a community that is dedicated to helping you become the most well-read version of yourself through reading. On this show, we hope to bring people together through shared experiences and provide a platform that promotes reading as a source of self-care while increasing your knowledge on various topics. Thanks for being here and let's get on to the show. Hey, well-read baddies. Welcome to another mini-sode for Black 365 of She Well-Read. I'm Alana. And I'm Samra. And today we have the pleasure with speaking with Nia Love. She is an author, a podcaster, social media influencer, entrepreneur, damn girl, and she's here to discuss her new book, How to Move On in 30 Days. So everybody, welcome Thanks so much for being on the show today. I'm so happy to be here. I've been trying to get on here for a minute, but I guess now is the best time. Than Listen, ever. the stars aligned, the schedules aligned, it all worked out. Right, right. So Thank tell you us. Me. Yeah, yeah. So tell us in our audience a little bit about yourself. So, I mean, you said it all. I pretty much do a little bit of everything. So, I originally have a degree in mechanical engineering. I worked as an engineer for a little bit and decided that that was awful and I hated it. So I left. I became a teacher. So I was an engineering teacher for about a year and a half. Um, Something went down with that. Ended up not being able to do that anymore. And so I decided to just take a chance on myself. So I've been an entrepreneur since May. Well, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for since 2019, but a full-time entrepreneur since May. And since then, you know, I've written my book, How to Move On in 30 Days. I started a marketing business. I run a credit repair business with my fiance, Jamal. And I mean, I've been doing social media influencing for the past two years. I've honestly been doing a little bit of everything, just trying to find my way and figuring out my place in this world and how I can create impact because that's really what I love to do. I just love to help people. (laughs) Oh my God. That's so inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. I try. I'm so weak. No, I love how you like your journey. It was like you went from zero to 100 real quick. Yeah. (laughs) Like total opposite spectrums. So what, like when you were in your engineering job, what was like your thing? Like, were you just unhappy or did you always kind of have that creative side in you and you just felt like this was the time to explore it more or what was that like? Right. So I never wanted to be an engineer in the first place. Um, I was just kind of always told that I was really smart. You know, Samra and I went to high school together. Like I was one of those people that was, you know, in AP classes and just a part of everything, did everything and always made straight A's and had the great GPA. So everyone around me was like, you should be like a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. So I didn't want to be a doctor or a lawyer. So I just figured, you know, engineer sounds cool. Um, And I liked my classes in the beginning. But then when I started to get into my major, I was like, I don't know about this. But I had already made it too far to like take it back. So I just kind of went along with it. And working in the field, like being an engineer is just learning and perfecting a certain trade or like whatever arena that you're in. And I was not fascinated by any of it. Like I worked for the power company, could not stand learning about power lines. I did not care. 
um, worked for a construction company. I did not care about concrete. I mean, there's only so many fascinating things about drywall. You know what I mean? So I did not like absolutely any part of that. And it's funny because my last engineering job, we did a personality test for everybody in the department. And I was literally the only one who had a different personality from everyone else. Like everyone else fell into like these same two analytical personalities. And mine was like, woo, like you're a people person. You love to communicate. You love interacting and creating. And like, I was just way too big for the role that I was in. And that made me really depressed when I thought about it, you know? So that was in the middle of, you know, the panoramic in 2020. And my boss came to me and he was like, you look unhappy. And I was honest. I mean, I couldn't lie. I was very unhappy. So we agreed for me to leave. But yeah, that's my journey. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think like that whole time I'm just like, wow, this is it's it's really wild because even down to your boss being like, you look unhappy here. Like, what do we need to do? I feel like most bosses, I guess not most bosses, but a lot of people would just kind of like not pay attention to something like that, I guess. Right. And just, you know, the wheels just keep turning and everything is like business as usual. So even for your boss to come up to you and be like, hey, what's going on here? Um, right. I think that's really cool. Um, and just your, your, I don't know, it's something about your journey that sounds very similar to mine. I was always that person, too, where it's like, you're really smart. You're going to be this like big thing one day in one of these like very standard, quote unquote, big roles that people see yeah. in the world, like a doctor or an engineer or in my case, accounting, <laughs> which people to this day still are like, hey, can you help me with this tax question? I'm like, you probably shouldn't or else you might be in jail because I might give you the wrong advice. <laughs> so just finding that passion in you outside of what kind of the the box that people try to put you in I think is really important to talk about and to express so thank you for sharing that part of your story thank you no I I, I love to talk about it because I know that this is a thing that I mean a lot of people go through a lot of people I mean you're thrown into school at like 17 or 18 and you're like figure out what to do for the rest of your life and nobody really knows what they're doing heck I'm 25 and I still don't know what I'm doing so how could I have ever known back then you know Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so what so that kind of drives us into this one topic we were going to talk about. What does moving on mean to you? Yes. So, oh, my gosh, that's actually a very deep question. <laughs> <laughs> not me going with the heavy hitter. Wow. Let's just hit the ground running. Why not? Sure. Um, so moving on to me, I suppose in, in this book, it was very much so about relationships um, and moving on after a breakup. But I understand that moving on could be in many different areas of your life, whether that be for me, like moving on from a job, moving on from a, a certain season in your life. And to me, what that looks like is just accepting that it is no longer giving you what you need. And it's hard. Like, it's, it's hard to look something in the face that you've put so much time and energy and effort into or someone that you really love or something that you really love and having to accept within yourself that this is not going to work. 
And if you continue going the direction that you're going, it's going to create so much friction and unhappiness in your life and potentially hold you back from, you know, what's waiting for you on the other side. So in the book, How to Move On in 30 Days, what I was talking about with moving on is just kind of accepting that your relationship, that the person that you're with, no matter how much you love them, no matter how much you care about them, no matter if you have a child together or if you put time and energy into it, at what point do you say, this is no longer helping me progress? This is actually holding me back from the person that I desire to be, the life that I desire to live, and the relationships that I desire to have. So moving on to me is just acceptance. That doesn't mean that it's not going to hurt. That doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. But it's just loving yourself enough to never turn back to that old part of you. I was letting out so many oohs and ahs and mm. <laughs> And like, it was very much take me to church um, <laughs> over here because that's real. Um, I read a little bit about your book. I haven't read the whole book or anything, but... Um, I was reading that you experienced a heartbreak that was just like you weren't ready for. It was your first heartbreak and it was like hard for you to get through days um, after that. Like, and I just related to that in a way or <laughs> straight up even <laughs> because um, I don't know. My first heartbreak was really... I was definitely toxic bonded to the person. And so, wow, it was just like my world was crushed, everything. It was like, it's funny because we did an interview the other day where I was like, sometimes when the walls you've built your whole life, like the bricks come crashing down, it can end up being for a good reason because you can rebuild and... um that was the walls crashing down for me. Uh, and I just wow. felt ever since then I changed so much and I don't even feel like I'm the same person in so many ways because I don't know. It's just, it's like I had, I had to rebuild who I was and I got to rebuild it in a way that I don't know is more, yeah. is more like who I, the life you want to live, like you were saying. So I'm a little curious because I was talking to Samra before our interview and she was saying that you, I guess you had posted a video or you had mentioned something about wanting to, you know, not maybe be an influencer anymore or like social media just in general. So like, tell me a little bit more about that. And then also the importance of honesty online, because I feel like that wrapped into that discussion. Right. Most definitely. So um, there's a couple of things that I want to tie in because I feel like it's kind of a little bit of a long story that I'm going to just, you know, condense, but okay, sure, go off. <laughs> so, um, uh, when I wrote how to move on in 30 days, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, like this, this book is absolutely amazing. Not to toot my own horn here, but like, I really poured my heart um, into this book and my entire experience into this book. However, this was not the book that I wanted to write. And, you know, it's kind of hard saying that, you know, as an author, because 
you know, it's like people are like, oh, well, then should I read it if she didn't want to write the book? But it's an amazing book. And I put so much like research and time and energy into this book. And it's, it's my heart in the book. I, I, it's a really great book. I cannot lie about that. But I have to be honest in saying that it was not the book that I wanted to write. And the reason being is because originally I wrote a book on self-love because my heart is just with, you know, that journey of falling in love with yourself. Because like Samra was talking about after the breakup, I completely lost myself and my identity. I didn't know how to even get through the day. Like it was awful. And I recognize that the reason why I was so heartbroken to that point is because I did not love myself or I did not know myself before I even went into the relationship. So I had to go on this whole journey of falling in love with myself. So I wanted to approach it from that perspective of just talking about how to build self-love in general. And when I spoke to a mentor of mine, he was like, you know, that's too broad. You need to have a more specific audience if you want to have, you know, a good book or like a best-selling book. So he mentioned, you know, you talk about your breakup. Why don't you do a book on, you know, how to move on? So helping people get through a breakup. So I took on the challenge because it's a book that I knew I could write. I was very confident about it because I knew it's something that I could talk about. And self-love ties into that. Like there's a lot of self, the things that I wrote in my self-love book that I touched on in this book. But at the end of the day, it wasn't the book that I wanted to write. And I changed what I really wanted to do based off of what would sell or what I was told would sell. So then as I'm writing this book, you see a complete shift in my social media where I go from talking about, you know, self-love and just life and mindset to relationships, because not only am I preparing to release this book, but also relationships are what everyone's talking about nowadays, right? And it's another one of those things where I can talk about it. Like I'm in a very happy, healthy relationship. I'm engaged to the love of my life, my best friend. And we want nothing more than to give examples of positive black love to other people so that they can stop settling for, you know, the bare minimum um, and all of this toxicity. So I was comfortable with making content about relationships. However, that's not where my heart is. I'm really good at it, but that's not where my heart is. It's like engineering. I'm really good at it, but I don't love it. So when I was posting on uh, Instagram about how I did not want to create content anymore, it was very much coming from that place of I'm just tired of talking about relationships. I'm I'm tired of talking about things that no longer fuel me. Like I'm a full-time entrepreneur now. So creating content is like a job now. Like I'm reliant on people buying my book. I'm reliant on people following me and clicking the link in bio and booking these sessions with me. Like that's my livelihood now. And I don't want it to be that way. When I started being an influencer, everything was straight from my heart. It had nothing to do with money, there was not there was no pressure to sell to my audience or anything. And from that, I built such a genuine audience that still rides with me today. But ever since I started, ever since I quit my job and I started focusing more on, okay, how can I use this platform in order to support me? That's when my followers went stagnant. I have not grown on social media since I quit my job. 
Like I'll get new followers, but then I get the same amount of unfollows. So I had to ask myself, why is this happening? Like I'm being honest, I'm being transparent online, but I'm not talking about the things that I want to talk about. Like my heart's not in it. I'm just doing it because I feel like I have to do it now. So the reason why I've decided to take a step back from social media is so that I can realign. I've decided that if I'm going to make money, I'm going to make quiet money. I don't want to sell anymore. I love my audience. I love meeting people out on the streets and they'll be like, are you need a love? Like, I love hearing the feedback and how I'm impacting people. I don't want to sell to those people. If those people want to buy from me because they love me and who I am as a person, awesome. So be it. I would love that, of course. But I don't want to sell to you. I don't want to make content around selling to you. I don't want to do that anymore. So right now, my main focus is making quiet money. How can I make investments that you guys don't know anything about? How can I build businesses that you guys don't know anything about? So that when I do come back to social media, you know it's all me. Like you don't have to give me money to be here. I'm going to always give you value and love on you regardless. I know that was a lot. <laughs> no, I I feel I just felt like Alana would have something to say so I didn't say anything. <laughs> oh, I do. I do, but I know I could talk a lot so I was like, let me shut up so Samra can get in some words. Oh, I mean, I was just I was just going to say thank you for your um, candor, <laughs> your truth, <laughs> Linnea, because um, I think that that happens so often in life. Like you just lose sight of what you were doing, the thing you were doing. Mm-hmm. Like you're just going because you're already moving. And it's like, have I stopped to look around? It sometimes takes like kind of a jerk to like be like oh shit like I'm not even I feel like the pandemic was that for so many people of like oh I don't like living every day and now like you know the workforce is like quiet quitting <laughs> it's <laughs> and all this and now there's quiet hiring quiet, yeah. hiring and right. quiet money I'm like okay I'm learning all these new terms um we're being quiet it sounds like I love that <laughs> honestly take the time to just I love silence. No, but um, <laughs> as we talk, were, were you did, were you silenced or were you silenced? silenced? <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I really, really respect that so much, Linnea, because it takes like it's easy to just keep it going, you know. And so to take take that time to step away and just reevaluate and come back stronger, and that is such a good point of like. When there is, when there, when you're like um, relying on your audience to buy into what you're selling, it's like you're gonna appeal to the audience in a way that may not even be true to you. And it reminds mm-hmm. me of, um, it reminds me of code switching in a way of like I don't want to say that because they might not, they might take it the wrong way or out of context, right. and it could um you know ruin the relationship or they could unfollow me or whatever it is and then you end up not being authentic and then the people that like liked you for you are like okay well who's this you know what I mean you just end like putting yourself in a hole in a way and so I I really and I think it happens to all of us like we get kind of brainwashed on social media like this is what you should be posting or what the trend is right now and you're supposed to hop on it so that you can go viral and 
who's going to do the trend the best. And like, there's just all this inherent comparison in social media. It's really unfortunate. Right. Or even down to like the recent whole, I don't know if you saw this mascara gate on TikTok, that whole debacle. Um, And like all these 2016 YouTube beauty influencers just coming back to the scene being like, the current influencers suck because all they're trying to do is sell you this shit without it being like a reliable product or them actually believing in the brand. And so like Mm. people like it reminded me what you were saying when you're like, I want the like you want your audience to like be with you for you and like who you are. It reminded me of something, you know, Alyssa Ashley was talking about um, on her TikTok when she, you know, she's one of those people who was really popular back in the day on YouTube with being in the beauty industry or not in the mm. industry, but like a makeup artist or whatever, however you want to say it. But then she kind of transferred into photography and fitness and all these other things. And her community followed her because they weren't just in it for her doing makeup reviews and makeup videos. They were in it for her. So that longevity right. of like, you know, growing a true, like a true fan base or people who actually, you know, care about you and care about what you have to say. So I really like how you talked about that, too. Because I think that's really important and not just making stuff to make stuff because it's going to sell. Right. And I completely forgot to answer the question of like the importance of honesty online. (laughs) No, yeah, go go for it. Go for it. You, you, You touched on that, though. So one thing that I've noticed and I don't know if you guys know Prince Donnell, like Dana Chanel, um, they're like popping now, but I was in one of his private groups that he had at one point and I asked him the question of because at the time I was doing self-love and stuff and posting that on social media but I'm also a dancer so I asked him you know can I post dance videos or would my audience be against that and he was like you know your audience loves you for you so whether you're dancing whether you're talking about self-love whether you're talking about food your audience loves you for you. So that has always stuck with me. And that's why I've just prided myself on always being honest and transparent on social media, because I understand that people just want something real. Like you see enough fakeness on social media. Like, can we get something real? Can we get something relatable? And as of now, like my fiance and I, we've hired a social media manager and a video editor to <laughs> handle our podcast and oh, our social wow, media. Yeah. Like that. Girl is literally the best thing in the world. Man, we're trying to get there. We're, we're trying to find the budget, man. It's the budget for us. I, <laughs> but then, it sounds like you're saying it's worth every penny. It is, but definitely plan. That, yeah. That's all I can say. Definitely plan. Um, yeah. But yeah. one thing that she one of our social well one thing that our social media manager showed us is that our content that is transparent does the best like the content that is the most relatable the content that is the most honest that is what does the best so that's what everyone's looking for so everyone's chasing these trends and all of this stuff but at the end of the day we want really the realness we want the rawness we want the honesty and the transparency because it makes us feel like we're not alone yeah and I feel like that you could even say is like trending to a certain extent like we don't want you just like 
telling us stuff just because you're telling us stuff. Like have some actual meaning and depth behind what you're saying. Right. Um, and as we're talking about this, because, you know, it's Black History Month. We love it. We love Ooh. being Black 365 around here. Um, and, you know, you talked about, you know, authentically reaching your audience and connecting to the right audience. Do you feel like the algorithm has something to do with that or like plays a part in that at all? You know, I try to get wrapped up in the algorithm, especially now that I own a marketing business and that I have employees like I've been trying to learn more about how to grow on social media and the algorithm algorithm and stuff like that. And I've been learning that for like three years now. And the biggest takeaway that I have is screw the algorithm. Like the algorithm changes literally like every hour, every second. There was a time where certain things were working and now they're no longer working. Like at the end of the day, if you start chasing the algorithm, you're going to drive yourself insane because I was that person who I am subscribed to so many people on YouTube who always talk algorithm and trends and all of that. But I got tired of doing that. Being honest, like the algorithm may play a part, but at the end of the day, I feel like if you're consistent and if you're you and people can't see through, excuse my French, the bullshit. Like, if we love can, the French around here, <laughs> great, great. But as long as you're authentically you, like, that's when I've gotten the most traction. The trends aren't what made me blow up or made me keep my audience because just as the trends are fleeting, so would your audience be. But if you're just authentically you and they love you, you're going to keep that person and you're going to keep that follow. Per. Per. <laughs> no, that's so true. I went to the social media class and there were people in the audience that were like, when's the best time to post? Because she's like really good at making things blow up. And she's like, now, right now is the best time to post. Don't ever Google that <laughs> shit around me. Just post as soon as you do it. I was like, wow, because <laughs> I was really expecting great, yeah. to get like a whole, I don't know. Oh, you're supposed to post at Wednesday at 12 p.m. or Friday at right. 5 p 6 to 7 or whatever. Um, and it just made me realize like it's not that deep. And she was like in the class, like telling us to make a TikTok and I ended up actually making I think I made a reel or something but like I had been trying to make a reel for like a month and had just been pushing it off and been like oh I don't have time it's gonna take forever it's gonna take forever and she was like you can do this in like literally one minute and like she timed it <sighs> and I posted it and I was like this I mean it's I guess it isn't that hard like I'm overthinking and trying to be a perfectionist and it's not yeah. it's just not that's not the point. So I've been trying to work on like showing up authentically online, which was yesterday. It was uh, getting on the Instagram story in a bonnet and a robe and just <laughs> it's like that was when I had the time and I did it then. And I was like, OK, I still feel really weird. I watched it back. I was like, oh, <laughs> But I was like, no, oh my gosh, I loved it. And I was like, yes, bonnet. <laughs> it's bonnet hours. That's relatable. I mean, 
I work from home, so straight up yesterday was a bonnet day, okay? I didn't have meetings. I was like, I'm going to enjoy this. And I had worked really late, though. Anyway, it doesn't matter. If I want to be in a bonnet at 7 p.m., I'm in a bonnet, okay? <laughs> Don't judge me. Um. Anyway, so thank you for saying that. I just, like, the reason I... I wrote that question down was honestly because I like hear that the AI or the algorithm, it doesn't reward you for being black, but it rewards, it rewards you for being a white, like a, like a young, I don't know. It's like some sort of, I don't know if this is just a political thing. And the algorithm is also us in a way too. So maybe that's just what the population likes but it does it does skew towards pushing a specific type of person which is the charlie d'amelios of the world like the thin pretty white girl right um or Mm. white passing alex earls of the world exactly and then you have and there's been sort of this like pushback against that on the on i don't know if that's like hashtag black tiktok i don't know what because I know there's black Twitter, but I yeah. don't know what black – is there black, black TikTok? I feel like – so it's funny you say that because I was watching a TikTok today. I reposted it on, from the She Will Reddit account. Mm. Um, I, oh, crap. I can't think of her TikTok name right now. Books by Lee. I'm going to tag it in the description. Um, but she was talking – like her whole page – like she's a book talker. And her whole page is about diversifying your reading, like not just reading, you know, one genre or, you know, one race or whatever. And uh, she was talking about how in the algorithm, like if you search on TikTok, book talk, all it's going to show you is like, you know, like you were saying, like the normal or like what they're trying to push out. Like you have to actively be searching and looking for the quote unquote influencers or pages that are showing diversified reading or showing you, you know, more than just what the norm or the standard is. Like, you have to do that work yourself because the algorithm isn't going to do it for you necessarily. Mm. Right. Like, how we have to type in black girl hair or black girl Right, black outfit girl anything. Because the algorithm just, like, <laughs> it's crazy. Assume you're white. Yes, it's crazy. <laughs> I've actually been reading to, like, watch a whole documentary about this because there's a black woman who realized, like, that she wasn't even accounted for. She goes to MIT and was, like, working in that. And she was just like, oh, like, the, the thing is, the algorithm... I, I don't want to speak on this because I don't... I didn't read that book and I haven't watched the documentary yet. But it's just something I've been trying to, like, look into. And... Yeah. And also, I guess going back to the whole TikTok thing, um, Black creators have been trying to push, like, follow me for being mediocre. I don't have to be, because we love to show up, like, doing twice the work and, you know, getting half the credit. They're like, follow me. I don't do anything specific. I don't have a PhD. I'm just talking. Like, this is my opinion. And we should reward that. Like, I don't, because there's this Mm -hmm. whole, and that almost leads into the next well, maybe not the next question here, but the, I'm picking the, the, it's the next question. Um, this whole dirty girl aesthetic. So I'm thinking of like growing up. I I mean, growing up, this was a few years back. <laughs> that sounds like an old head. Um, Emma Chamberlain got famous for being 
kind of like the dirty girl, like relatable, drinks coffee all day long, doesn't have her life together, isn't like perfect so much like, I don't know, like she doesn't have like the perfect thing. Just like a regular person? <laughs> yeah but you know how at the time influencing on youtube yeah no yeah was very like makeup hair done like that's how i get the followers and so she was doing she was like i she was cursing a lot and that's what attracted me to her and i guess it mm-hmm. also got the world like i don't know the algorithm pushed her and it's It doesn't do the same thing for black women. And I feel like we're constantly showing up like, you know, crossing our T's and dotting our I's just to be taken seriously. And so I wanted to ask you, how does that show up in your day to day when you're influencing, when you're creating content that's visual? Do you feel like you have to be showing up in a certain way to get like respect to gain followers you feel like I guess I just wanted to pick your brain on that right right so I okay so I'm actually the coach of a step team a high school step team and I was having a conversation with them yesterday it was and I told them because we have a show coming up in a few weeks and they weren't taking it very seriously. Like they were so embarrassed about the way that they looked and if people, how people would judge them or whatever. Like, I feel like it's ingrained in our brains as black women to just be the best, do the best, look the best, act the best. Like, and I feel like that's been our own downfall. And one thing I was explaining to them is I was like, who cares? Like, who cares if they talk? Who cares if they laugh? Who cares if they record you? Who cares about their opinion? What they're not going to say is that you didn't work hard or that you didn't show up or that you didn't put in the effort, you know, like at least the least that you can do is show up and put your all into it. And I feel like that's the way that I am with social media and putting my all into it doesn't mean throwing on makeup. I, I'm not a makeup girly. Like, no, my hair is not done half the time. Like I have natural hair. Like it just does what it wants to on any given day. Like you're like, I'm just here. <laughs> exactly. Like I'm not, nor do I spend a bunch of money on like skincare and all of those things. I've always been the type to get on social media. However I am like, especially in my older videos, like you'll see me with my head wrap, my glasses on. I just woke up. Like I, I never like even heck recently, like my stories when I'm in the gym, I go to the gym in my bonnet. Like I don't care. And my coach, she records me every single day and she posts me every single day in my bonnet don't care like I just think even if the algorithm or if the audiences would want you to dress up and put on makeup and all of this stuff like I'm not about to bend over backwards to make that happen especially because social media is so variable like the the craziest things go viral my video that almost hit a million views my hair was all over my head like pimples like no but really no but really though we had a we have we have had videos like that where it's like the most basic shit like (laughs) 
you're not even thinking about it. And a lot of our like trauma bonding with books and reading videos go viral because we all live the same, the same lives. Right. Um, but yeah, sorry, I like cut you off. But I was no. like, yes, no, we can relate. Have seen it. Witness it firsthand. Exactly. So like I, I hear you in that there are probably the algorithm probably is re- like rewarding white women or rewarding the people who dress up and put on makeup and stuff like that. But in my opinion, and just what I've been seeing on my journey as an influencer, my audience has not cared about that. My audience doesn't care about how I show up. They just care that I show up and they care that I'm talking about some real shit because half the time, the women who are putting on makeup and buying all these flashy clothes and, you know, taking pictures of their latte and France or whatever, like they have no substance. They're not talking anything about meaning. Like one thing, when someone says that they're in an influencer, my first question to them is, okay, what are you influencing people to do? Are you influencing people to just drink coffee at cute coffee shops? Are you influencing people to just buy clothes that they can't afford? Like, what are you really influencing people to do? Because I mean, yes, I can I can get all cute and stuff, but the message is still the same. So why would I waste my time? You know, I get cute for me sometimes because I just I just want to look good. But if I'm having a bonnet day, then y'all going to get this same message, the same value and this same love with me in a bonnet. And that just is what it is. Damn. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's as simple <laughs> as that, but sometimes it can feel complicated. No, and so? I think. Yeah, go Samra. Oh, that will that was not me. You said you said it feels complicated. Oh no no no! I mean that was it. That was all I had. I mean, <laughs> it's seriously just sometimes I get so down on like how I don't see black creators being pushed in I mean that goes in every area of life I guess um but you know it can just get disheartening and so I really love what you're saying and it just it's it's true that and I never you know I guess I don't think about what are you influencing I was like oh (laughs) I don't know like I just (laughs) you're just there It's, it's usually I think of like influencing people to buy stuff that's usually my thought I don't know when I hear influencing it's like link in bio like go buy this thing (laughs) um and I feel like I guess that's what the corporate world wants it to be is like pushing capitalism in a way um so for you I guess the fact that you focus on the substance and the things that are close to your heart do have substance. Um, your audience, like you're saying, like the message is the same. It's not about what you look like. It's the words you're saying and how they hit people. So I don't know. I love that. It's yeah. just, I guess, doing things for the right reasons in a way it's almost like doing things for you and then whoever's along for the ride and if it just so happens to like make you money or something like that cool but doing it authentically will pay off in the long run rather doing it just to do it 
and like having no meaning behind it. Yeah. Which like all the time, it, like it feels so much easier said than done. And I feel like everybody's always pushing that. Like we want to see you. We want to see the real thing. But then like Samra said, it's like disheartening because it's like, well, do you? Because the top earners aren't doing what you're saying you want them to do. Yet they're still no. the top earners rather than the people who are actually showing you and creating the content that you want to see and you claim you want to uplift. uplift. It's kind of like we just had an interview with um, Nikki Porsche. She's the founder of Buy From a Black Woman. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, we could talk about, you know, yeah, bla buy Black-owned, support Black-owned, Black, 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 Black. <laughs> but at the end of the day, do your dollars and your, like, your habits reflect that, honestly and truly? Mm. Like, and she coined this term that both Sam and I love, which is, like, keyboard warriors of, like, people love to talk about this thing of, like, oh, like, there's not this and there's not that and da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, well, what are you doing to, like, help no, that? Yeah. Right. Or are you just, like, shouting into the void just to shout and just be mad about something instead of doing something about it? Right. And that's essentially what I was getting to. Like, okay, we can be mad that the algorithm doesn't push Black women, but what are we really going to do about it? And I'm not about to compete. Like, I'm not about to... Mm -hmm like just conform to what they want me to do. I'm just going to show up and I'm going to, if I'm going to win, I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it. I'm not about to fake in order to win. And that's on period. <laughs> well, Miss Neil Love, we have gone around the world and back with, with, this top, with these topics today. I feel like we've covered so much ground here and just, I feel like this has just been a conversation that, a lot of people needed to hear so thank you again for coming on and talking thank with us you. no i appreciate this more than anything absolutely so let our people know where can they support you where can they find you where can they find the book yes yes so you can find me on instagram at by nia love b-y-n-i-a-l-o-v-e and you can find the book at how to move on in 30 days.com 30 is three zero don't spell it out is how to move on in 30 days.com <laughs> yeah that's me thank you so much this was like the most uplifting episode and just honestly gave me faith in the social media <laughs> I'm so in people, the people I'm on social media the people like you doing their thing for themselves just because they want to help us get to where we're trying to go um, I think that your book can be applied to so many things, even other than heartbreak in a way, like you were saying. Yeah. So everybody go check this book out. I know I'm going to have to get my copy after this is over. Um, no, really. Yeah. We love you. We love you. Yes. It is. <laughs> I'm so weak. <laughs> And well, y'all, this has been another episode, mini-sode of She Well Read. I'm Alana. And I'm Sarah. And we'll see y'all next time. <laughs>